Uh, hi guys, Russell here. Um, just a sort of quick post, uh, you know, on the way I see in the macro world. And this sort of fits in with where I'm going with what I'm going to be doing with the Substack. It's going to continue to be a lot of macro stuff, but I I'm now can see, you know, there's a, a potential product that I can build out at the end of it. Uh, and so what I'm trying to do is just work through the logic of what I'm seeing uh, and what my research is saying to produce it. So, you know, this uh, post is called Coming Through the Macro Babble. Um, and, you know, essentially, you know, I've been recommending this long GLD, short TLT trade for a while. And it's trading great. And I suspect it's continued going to trade great um, for lots of different reasons. If you're interested, go back and look at the other posts. Uh, and I, you know, I show you here, it looks, you know, breaking out to new highs. It's fantastic. Now, what you get both in the sort of macro, uh, armchair macro analyst, uh, or even or almost all fund managers and all allocators, is they love to backtest. What that means is they go love to look at how uh, a trade may have traded historically to get an idea of the risks you're taking and when you should take that trade off. And I'm pretty sure if let's say I was running a fund uh, with, which was long GLD, short TLT, uh, I would be having endless conversations with allocators saying, Russell, current dollar is strengthening. That's really bad. The GLD, TLT, what are you going to do about it? Uh, that's one, op- one, one conversation I'll be having. The other one would be, ah, Russell, GLD, gold is not trading very well. Why don't you just do the short TLT tra- trade and get rid of the GLD trade? Uh, that would be two real conversations I would have had if I was managing money with this trade on because that's the sort of conversation you have. Uh, with allocators and you know that's what you know what you can see here is I'm showing uh, GLD TLT versus DXY which is the dollar index and what you can see is you know so from the lows of sort of 2011 uh, up to the sort of spike high in 2015 you want it to be long TLT and short TLD so what that what I'm trying to say there and what a macro analyst or allocator would be saying to me oh Russell a strong dollar is deflationary you should be shorting gold and long bonds. Actually, that's pretty much the sort of trade I had on back then. In that it was, for me, a free market world, uh, sort of a pro-capital world. That is exactly the right trade. Pro-capital is very deflationary, bad for gold, good for bonds. And that is the world that we're living in. And what I'm saying is, you know, we've started to see a big change in the world because of politics. But, you know, that is what this is essentially saying. But this chart in essence captures why I think a lot of uh, sort of macro analysts uh, and back testers are really struggling with the market uh, and continue to recommend buying TLT even though I think it's still got way more downside um, and here I show you know if we split out GLT uh, and TLT separately you can see that the performance of GLD TLT is really being driven by TLT um, you know uh, and what, you know, a sort of backtest of this would be saying, so when TLT is falling, yields are going up, and which it did, you know, it fell a little bit in 2015 and gold got smashed. It's fallen a lot over the last three years and gold has held its value, all right, which is for me telling you something's changed. Now, what's really interesting, and this is, uh, you know, uh, a subscriber was asking about this, is what are commodities doing, you know, what's a commodity story in different currencies? because we all seem to be obsessed about the US dollar. 
And actually, what is interesting, this environment of a, a relatively stable gold into a strong dollar environment has produced one of, one of the more arresting, interesting charts in macroeconomics for me anyway, is gold in yen terms. Now, what I love about this chart is that, you know, you talk about the massive gold bull market of the 70s, um, and then it went sideways through the 90s and 2000s. If you actually look at gold in yen terms, uh, gold in yen terms fell all the way back to where it was in sort of 75, 76. It's truly extraordinary. And for me, it was sort of insane as the second oil crisis, the second spike in oil was more a currency crisis in the US than it was an OPEC crisis. But And so as the yen appreciated, it reversed all of this sort of um, all of this sort of uh, excessive movement that we saw. Uh, and then since then, you know, what we saw then was from sort of 2000 through the 2010, 2011, gold and yen terms went up again, um, went up back to the old highs of 1980, and then went sideways. And my base assumption then was because we've had so little inflation in Japan, and I didn't really see inflation coming back, that's what we were going to see gold drop back in yen terms. So I used to be very, very bullish uh, the yen and bearish gold in yen terms. Um, but what we've seen, since, especially since 2020, is gold in yen terms has just gone to new highs, absolutely roofed it, uh, and look, continues to look pretty good. So how can we look at this very long-term chart of gold in yen terms and understand what's going on? So this is the way I look at it, and it's political analysis more than macro analysis. So starting with the election of Trump in 2016 and then followed on with the election of Biden in 2020, we've had two pro-labor uh, presidents in, this, in the U.S. So for me, that's really beginning really to cement this pro-labor politics of the U.S. Um, and what we know is that in 2024, we are going to see our third pro-labor presidency because it's either going to be Trump or Biden again. So we're really getting into a pro-labor environment. So what is that? why does that mean gold is going up in yen terms. Um, so what you see in a pro-labor environment is that it, policy is no longer about going out and getting the most efficient workers or the cheapest workers or outsourcing. It's about building in the states and it's about raising U.S. wages. And you use that through a combination of tariffs, buy American provisions, you want to keep unemployment low, and you want to have a strong dollar because that keeps real wages strong. Now, what you've had in Japan is the opposite. Starting with Abenomics and continued under his uh, successor and continued by the Bank of Japan is let's fuck our workers over massively. So what you see in Japan is from like the 90s, go to Japan, Japanese are wealthy. Go there now, Japanese workers are poor. The Japanese government has had this pro-capital policy of pushing, uh, of pushing capital over, over, over labor. And what's really interesting is that, you know, for years... Warren Buffett never invests in Japan. And ever since we've had the Abenomics in place and the Bank of Japan being supportive of capital markets, he's become a big allocator to that. Um, and the other thing you got to understand is that in a free market world, we let markets determine prices. So current countries with cheap workers like Japan would see a natural upward bias to their currency, where countries with overvalued workers would see a natural downward bias. And that's what kept inflation, global inflation, in check. No worker could really make that much money because it'd get outsourced to a cheaper worker somewhere else. 
we're now in a different world where US workers can earn way more money than they've ever done before without having to worry about their, their, their jobs being shipped off to China or Japan or anywhere else. So what does that mean? It means the current accounts, and this is where the macro guys are really getting uh, confused. It used to be if you looked at a current account, it would be a good sign of whether a currency was a buy or a sell. Uh, and so Japan's the orange line was always a current account surplus. China now is a massive surplus. US is a massive deficit. And that would normally imply dollar has to weaken, other currencies have to strengthen. But if you think about what the tariffs and uh, trade provisions are trying to do, they're basically saying, oh, we import that now? Okay, we're going to replace that with domestic production. So a trade surplus now is a sign of weakness. Um, so in a world that is pro-labor and you know, pro-tariffs, pro-protecting uh, uh, domestic production and promoting domestic production, the current account surplus, which is what Japan and, and China have, uh, is actually a sign of weakness. It's a sign of potential weakness because you're going to lose that export market or you're going to have to cut into your own profits to stay competitive. I think that's what we're seeing, uh, particularly with China, uh, is that they just can't compete with those tariffs anymore. Um, so this is all great for US. It's all great for US workers. Um, there's only one problem with this is that in this world where current account surpluses are a sign of economic weakness, why would you run one? So that would mean you should be domestic, you, know, you should be using, trying to domestic, stimulate your domestic economy so that you're not running a surplus. You should be trying to run a deficit, if anything. And that actually means that you don't really want to be recycling those back into treasuries. And when we look at foreign official holdings of treasuries that have already weakened, I know some people say this fall off in foreign official treasuries recently is driven by price weakness. Uh, it seems, that seems, I think, wrong because we didn't see uh, a commensurate increase in reserve holdings when yields collapsed either in 2020 or 2016. So for me, it feels like the, the, that recycling, uh, recycling of surpluses is just not happening anymore. Uh, and then we come back to, you know, why then keep GLD? I think we can understand why TLT remains a short and will do. Why keep GLD? So if we look at Japan, Japan is stayed in a pro-capital policy of weak, low interest rates um, and a weak currency. And if the Fed decided to go back to that type of policy, I think we would see a similar thing as that gold would spike in dollar terms. So that's a, the trade-off now is when you have a weak uh, central bank that is dovish, gold then reflects that. So the GLD-TLT trade for me really reflects uh, a number of things. It's, it's, it's protecting against uh, central banks deciding to cut rates or going dovish again, because I think in, at their heart, that's what they want to do. Um, and so you need to have both sides of the trade. And just to finish the story, uh, when I talk to allocators and they often say, oh, why don't you just get rid of you know, the, the trade that's not working, you know, just keep the trade that you are working. I say, I, I don't want to do that, but you can. They often would go away and do that, and then you'd see them a year or two later, and they would have massively underperformed because they got rid of the hedge that then would work when the initial trade, the winning trade, stopped working. And that's been my experience for many, many years, which is why I always love to look for these sort of two-sided trades. And what I'm really looking for is a correlation break. I talk about uh, elsewhere. Uh, I've linked to a post in there. Have a look if you're interested. Um, I'm going to keep doing posts like this uh, uh, for the foreseeable future. If they're interesting, give me a follow. Um, all right, stay safe. Uh, we'll talk soon. If you're wondering, I'm not going to talk about Israel yet. I think there's 
lots of things that still need to come through. And it's way too early to talk about the macro consequences of that. All right, stay safe. We'll talk again soon. Ciao.